A big fundamental kind of principle that I, I have always operated under is that we are all dancers. Dancing is universal, it's a universal language, and it's something that we all have access to. Hi, I'm Bobby, a certified caregiving consultant and educator. I work with caregivers on a regular basis to help them find solutions to the often confusing behaviors that come with a dementia diagnosis. And I'm her husband, Mike, and I'm a certified caregiver advocate and a certified music therapist. And this is Roger That, the podcast dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. Here we focus on the caregiver, offer our practical insights, and share some emotional support. And we might even share a laugh or two, because we all know laughter is the best medicine. And don't forget the wine, Mike. (laughs) Oh, I won't forget your wine, sweetheart. And I do appreciate that. (laughs) You know, in the past, we've discussed how, obviously, as a music therapist, music plays a part in dementia care and can play a very important part. We've discussed how painting and drawing also help dementia patients. Yes, and we've also noticed, even with our own grandchildren and and people that we've worked with in the dementia world, how when music starts playing, the body starts moving. Yeah. You know, even two-year-olds or younger, as soon as they can stand, they start moving. And we've seen the effect uh, with the music and therapy, how even a bedridden woman who was completely unresponsive when they put headphones on or started moving in the bed. um, Right. So this is really exciting to bring today's guest, who's a dancer, choreographer, creative aging advocate, and community-based teaching artist based in New York City. She holds a Master's of Fine Arts in Dance Performance and Choreography and a Bachelor of Science in Biochemistry and Molecular Biophysics. As an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health, At the Global Brain Health Institute, she collaborates to design and expand access to creative aging programs that support brain health across the lifespan. She leads a program called Stories in the Moment, a co-creative program which combines dance, movement, and storytelling to amplify the expressive voices of people living with dementia. We are so pleased to welcome Magna Kaczmarska today. Thank you so much, Magna, for agreeing to be with us. Oh my gosh, Bobby, Mike. Ah, it's such a pleasure to be here with you. And I was listening to you and I was just trying so hard to stay quiet when you were talking about the powerful, I don't know if marriage is the right word, but that powerful relationship between music and movement and how inherent that is to our human bodies, our human selves, our human souls. Well, you know, one of the things I've often said is, uh, and and I'm a musician, I'm a drummer, and so rhythm is very important to me, but, you know, even in, in the womb, right, there's rhythm, there's the heartbeat, there's breathing patterns, there's chewing patterns. The body has all these different sounds to feed us, so no matter where you go in the deepest, darkest areas, rhythm plays a part in life. Uh, Mike, I love that you mentioned that because I, I, you know, a big, a big reason, fundamental kind of principle that I've always operated under is that we are all dancers. Dancing is universal. It's a universal language. And it's something that we all have access to. And I often talk about that, how music and, and movement 
uh, are and dance is something that we do from even before we're born. And I from I do not I have not um, carried a child in my body, but I know I have friends who have carried babies, and I I, I noticed that they have shared this experience of of children recognizing in in the womb voices and music and 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 turning and twisting and dancing already even before they've entered our world. So I, the, it's, it just seems like a, a, the truth, you know, a universal truth that we all are movers. And because we're all movers, we're all dancers. You know, one of the, one of the things that I, I mentioned once on, a, I think it was a caregiver support group site, mm. was if you walk into the room of the person that you're taking care of and they're frowning and, they, and they're looking unhappy, if you just smile and do a silly dance, it may change the mood. And even if it doesn't change theirs, it'll change yours. You know, Bobby, that is so important. You know, I think, you know, I work with very, I've worked over the course of my career. I've had the privilege of working with very diverse groups, but the last two years, especially, I've been dedicated, dedicating myself to working with communities of people living with dementia. And that, what you mentioned about our energy and our bodies is so important because we all are constantly reading one another's bodies and the energy and presence that we bring into spaces. And I think this is something that dance, it's kind of a gift that is unexpected when, from movement and from kinesthetic kind of experiences like dance, is this understanding and comprehension of how our body language and how our own emotional state influences others. And so I, you know, I always think about this even before I enter into a room, is like, where am I? Where am I emotionally? How can I be present, generous, compassionate, open before I even enter into a space? Because I know, especially with, with this community, we are so, we, um, people respond so much to body language and to our energy. So that is a gift that we can always bring. And then music and, and the movement that we then create together just amplifies and builds and carries that energy as we move forward. But it all starts with that initial self. Like, how, how, how can I check in with myself? Where am I? How can I be present in this moment right now? How can I really allow myself to be and be open and receptive to receive who's in front of me at this moment? And you don't have to be standing to dance. Definitely not. <laughs> Thank you for mentioning that. I, I love that you mentioned that you can dance in your bed. And I, you know, ultimately, if you can move, you can dance. I, I, I love also that you mentioned, Mike, the heartbeat, the rhythm. I feel, I always think of the heartbeat as the place for that first movement. Our breath and our heartbeat is our first dance. And then we can just take it from there. It just goes out from the core out. Yeah. You, you know, um, you talk about checking yourself uh, prior to meeting people. And I think it was Mother Teresa. Actually, I'm sure it was Mother Teresa that said, there is no simpler joy that can be brought on than a simple smile. Mm. And just having a smile on your face or greeting somebody with a smile or walking past somebody with a smile, you see them instantly change. And it's it's amazing how you can influence the situation just by a smile. Exactly. You know, this is why I think this conversation is so important because so much of what I hear from caregivers is the negativity that they're surrounded with all day long, every day for years. They're misunderstanding the 
brain damage and how to respond to that. So when the person in their care, you know, is being aggressive verbally or even physically, sometimes there's there's this resentment going on. So if we help people today by them listening to you about what your program does to reduce that tension and, and that buildup of stress, because of course, dance is going to release some of that stress too. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Oh my gosh, Bobby, you, meant, you brought so many great points into this. And I, I, what comes up for me is, is the oxygen mask theory. I'm sure you've heard of this before, but you know, the, the fact that you know, we have to take care of ourselves in order to have something to offer somebody else. Right. And it's, it's, I think that the, these, um, the space of, of being in a community and dance allows us to all have an egalitarian space where we can actually access that. One of the things I wanted to ask you about is you've been on record um, and talking about the benefits of dance and physical activity mm-hmm. on the brain. Can you share a little bit about that? Yes, um, this is, you know, I am an Atlantic Fellow for Equity and Brain Health. And this was over the, the year of my residency, I devoted a lot of time to diving into the literature. And there's still a lot more that we do not understand. And I'm looking forward to learning more. But some of the things that we do see is that, well, I think the first thing when we're talking about mood and like psychosocial changes, I... I think of a a study that was done in in, a nursing home. It was an assisted living space where um, individuals brought a dance program into this community. And at the end of the program, people saw that they actually saw that uh, the people who participated in the program actually had an increase in their well-being and and a decrease in their depression to the point where they were actually taking less medication for depression, which if you think about that that's a pretty big change just from participating in dance right and then that's from for just a well-being standpoint but one of the other things that's really i think exciting is that um that we actually see that dance increases activity in the circuits of the brain that support memory so we we actually see an amplification in those circuits um, uh, after, especially after cardiovascular da- uh, dance, aerobic dance, uh, dance that gets our heart rate up. And it really doesn't take a lot because that level of heart rate increase is really just enough to, like if you're walking along with somebody and you can feel exertion, but you can still have a conversation. So if you think about it, let's put on some music and 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 dance along with it, like Bobby was saying, and you're already starting to get the, your heart rate up. So that's that's really exciting, you know, as an additional benefit. You know, it, you just you just sparked some synapse in the back of my brain of my grandmother, and. She lived on her own until she was 99, and she passed at 102 years, eight months. But at 99, she went into assisted living, and we always visited her when we went up to Pittsburgh. And she would say, I did my exercises this morning, and they had what they called sitter size, where they sat in the chair, and just movements across the body, reaching out, reaching in, lifting legs. And she was always so proud that she was able to do all these exercises while she was sitting down and with the young people. 
<laughs> you know, Mike, you're bringing up something. Um, I just recently had the uh, privilege of um, being in person. You know, we haven't been doing in-person things right. for so long, but I was in person at the New York Memory Center. And I, I, I'm just recalling something that one of the participants mentioned. You know, and I hear this so often. She's like, well, I can't dance anymore, but I love to move. And I just think it's so interesting that we 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 look at like you're talking about your grandmother. We think about this, and I say, you know, we say, well, we I move, I love to move, but I can't dance. And I'd love for us to think about the fact that actually, what you're doing is dancing, right? We're we're moving our bodies, so we are in fact dancing. Uh, yeah. So your grandmother <laughs> was definitely dancing. She was quite. She was quite special. Yes, she was. She was amazing. Mm. You know, and what you talked about, you know, the reduction in medication and also the stimulation of the brain that goes on with that. It's so important when you have one of these awful diseases where these brain connections are dying or connections are being broken. Um, you know, we've talked some about neuroplasticity, and I, I would dance would help with that um, in creating connections and tapping into connections that are deeper in the brain. Yeah, so it's you know neuroplasticity. I think it's it's it, it it's interesting, and the the truth is is that our brains are plastic over the whole, our whole life, right? And I think that's wonderful. I'm glad to see that we are accepting and recognizing that. But what's interesting is uh, that what we actually notice is for in people who are living with dementia, even though one part of the brain might be working in a different way, you know, there's other parts of the brain that, that start to amp up. So, you know, for somebody who's living with Alzheimer's, maybe memory is, is, is maybe a little bit lower, but emotions and empathy just are so much stronger. Um, or um, my, one of my uh, mentors at the uh, Global Brain Health Institute, uh, Dr. Bruce Miller, works with uh, individuals who have frontotemporal dementia and, and primary progressive aphasia. And one of the things that's really interesting is to notice how people who experience these changes in, in language actually have more um, uh, visual art uh, and painting and, and just connection to the movement of creating visual art. And which is also an interesting, it's interesting because that's also a form of movement, right? When we're taking an idea and translating it onto a canvas or onto a sculpture. So I, I think there's something really interesting about the fact that our brains are much more flexible. And I, I like to think about that this is something that ex extends to all of us, that we are all very neurodiverse as a community, and that we have the opportunity to make changes in our brains at any point in our life course. Now, you talked about how you're involved in these different programs from uh, in research. And one of the things that floored me when I was getting my certification as a music therapist through the um, uh, music and memory program, and I don't know if you've ever seen the documentary Alive Inside, an amazing mm -hmm. documentary about music and how music works uh, with the brain. But one of the things they 
talk about is the doctors can prescribe a drug that costs five hundred dollars a month and doesn't bat nobody bats an eye. However, to get a hundred and twenty-five dollar MP3 player or a seventy-five dollar MP3 player, no go. And the music can take away the need for a lot of those drugs, but because it's not a pharmaceutical, they can't get the purchase power to do it. And to me, that just boggles my mind. There was two parts in the music and memory documentary that relate to dance. And one, there was a woman who actually pushed her walker away and started to dance. And the other one was a woman who, of my generation, grew up in the 60s. And when they started playing music from that era, and she started dancing, and there was a comment that said, you looked like you were going to fly. And she said, mm-hmm. I was trying. And, <laughs> you know, that dance, that movement that came with the dancing just completely changed their their facial expression, their body, their enthusiasm. Demeanor. It was, it was, it's amazing. Yes. It's very true. You know, Mike, I wanted to talk to what you were saying first. Um, I wholeheartedly agree um, that we, I would love to see, and part of my intention behind some of the advocacy work that I do is to try to work together and to bridge some of these gaps between sciences and the arts and policy and the arts and even between us artists ourselves who work in these communities to to recognize that dance the arts that are an essential part of the broader healthcare ecosystem and in fact we are actually we we have been doing this work and you know myself and and you and so many others have been doing this work for years and supporting this the 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 health and well-being of communities and what we need to have a shift in in our mentality and thinking about how can we support this right or how can we ensure that people have access to this valuable and uh, source of of well-being you know, and, and, and I don't even see it as, as something that I think a lot of times people think of the arts as a frivolity, as something that we, you know, add on top of a larger series of things that we need. I really do see that they're essential. And especially when we're, when we're thinking about some, uh, like dementia, for instance, where we see that communication and expression and the ways that we might have communicated with our loved one are shifting, then this is even more essential because now we need to find ways that we can hone into our resources, our tools of communication and expression to find ways to match and to connect. And this is where dance, I think, is absolutely imperative because it allows us to find that shared language and to create stories together to share and find communion and connection and expression and and feel like we can can continue to have value and meaning um, as we continue along. Um, Bobby, um, you were talking about, um, you know, standing up and I've definitely experienced this in in, in senior centers, but definitely in, in spaces, you know, right now with you know, stories in the moment program. We we see this all the time, and and but you know, coming back to that, I think the intention of the this program is 
to really amplify the voices of people living with dementia, right? So this is why I was listening to some of the some of the other programs and guests that you have had on this show, which I just I really applaud you and thank you for. It. But I was I, I know we were talking earlier about Siobhan McDonald and I'm and I I hear this this resonance of of finding how finding how the art, whether they're visual art or dance or music, help us tap in to that connection and that and that expression. I've been, and I reflect a lot on like what happens, like what exactly what exactly happens. Like if we were to tear you know tear this apart or break this down into like what exactly is happening. I think the first part of it is that we create space, right? Like we we decide and have an intention that we're going to be in this space. We're going to be present with one another. This is a safe space for for us to be in community. And you know how do we do that, right? And I I think a lot about preparing our minds and our bodies to be centered and grounded and in the moment with one another before we even start. Right. And then, then we, I start to look at, you know, who's in this space? Like, what do each of these individuals need so I can help facilitate us to, to connect meaningfully with one another? You know, that's, it, it's interesting because, you know, I see, you know, a lot of times with kids and even adults that you're reluctant to participate in something that, uh, you know, it's a little out of your comfort zone. How do you pull that person into the here and now to actually participate. Oh, Mike, that's an excellent question. Once you get one, you, <laughs> once you get one, you'll get two and three and five. That's an excellent question. And you know, this is why I think doing some of this work in a group is so important. Um, I'm uh, very privileged to have a practice in group dance and group dance improvisation. I think a group body serves that purpose because it allows people to enter in with where they are in that moment, right? So some people, like Bobby mentioned, music comes on, yeah. they jump into the circle, <laughs> the, the music is up here, right? I'm, 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 I'm illustrating my hands by my neck, right? The, the vocal cords are ready, we're ready. But for some people, they're, for whatever reason, you know, whether that, that's how they are that day, or maybe they're more introverted, they they need a little bit more space to feel safe, to feel secure, to to recognize that their voice and the way that they're contributing their voice through their body, through sound, is going to be welcomed and respected. And so I think this is where doing this in a group helps create that space. So those people who instantly jump in help create an atmosphere. And then my job is then to say, oh, well, I know this, you know, Bo uh, Bobby is doing this right now. Let's do what Bobby's doing. This is great. Bobby, can, can you share more? Can, you, can I join in with you to do this thing? You might be sorry. <laughs> 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 I am a very introverted person until there's music, and then, you know, I just cut loose. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> but I love that idea that, you know, it, it's a patchwork, and each person plays their part. And, you know, one of the things that I, I experience in, in these spaces is for people who um, are very comfortable with speaking, but not so comfortable with speaking with their body, will introduce an idea with words. And then I'll ask somebody else who is really comfortable with their body, well, how would, how would, we, how would we find a movement for that, you know? And then they'll invite something like... The other day we were skiing and somebody said, oh, well, I'm going to go skiing down the slope like this. I said, that's great, you know. And then somebody else might in insert sound. 
So now all of a sudden we have this multifaceted story of words, movement, and sounds, and that we're we're now tapped into our holistic selves and, and telling the story. Basically charades. <laughs> <laughs> in a way, yes. I think in a way. Yeah. It's really true. You know, the more that we do it, the more we become embodied and we tap into this other aspect of communication. You know, I, I've been writing stories since I was about eight years old. And a few years ago, I had a uh, reason to have a brain scan. And the neurologist was showing me the pictures of my brain. And he said, mm. the right side of your brain is so developed. What is it you do? <laughs> and, you know, wow. <laughs> Wow, Bobby, that's so cool. So I, I would be interested, you know, Mike is a musician. I am, I, my creativity is in, in the written word where that affects the brain. And I'm sure it happens the same with someone like you who is a dancer. There are certain connections, certain wiring in your brain that be, may become obvious it, on a brain scan. You can actually see the benefits of it. Oh, gosh. You know, I was, I, I would love you know, there's that curiosity, right? And I also be curious to see what changes, right? I, to this day, I haven't really seen any, anybody who's looked at what this kind of like improvisation, this kind of storytelling, you know, where we're tapping into stories, we're tapping into memories, we're tapping into imagination and creation right now, we're tapping into music and movement. How does, I mean, in my, in my mind, I feel like, God, we are just <laughs> jumping all over our brains, right? You can see but it light I, up. Yes, you can see it light you, up. I'd, I would be really curious to see what actually happens. The one thing that I, I, have, I have seen, which I think is really interesting, is this research of Dr. Charles Lim, who looks at jazz musicians, Mike, <laughs> musicians like yourself who are improvisers and recognizing the the change between somebody who is just playing a piece of music that they are recalling mm -hmm. versus somebody who's improvising in real time with somebody else. And what happens when you're improvising is that you are going into lots of different, it's almost like you're picking out from different drawers right. in your brain of like, well, now I'm thinking about this and now I'm thinking about the ice cream cone I had. And now I'm thinking about the smell of roasted garlic. And now I'm thinking about, you know, and that's all I'm bringing that into whatever art I'm doing, whether it's movement or music or visual art. And I love, I mean, I, I'm making assumptions here that nobody's actually looked at anything aside from music. Um, but I'd be curious to see um, what what is actually going on. Well, yeah. I've, re I've read that people who, who read a lot of fiction, it's it's very good for your brain rather than reading, you know, a newspaper article or something like that. Because when you're reading fiction, you're not only reading the words, you're you're creating images of what the story is about, and that's tapping into various portions of your brain as well. Um, so all this creativity is connected exactly as you started talking about at the very beginning. How do we bring this all together for brain health and to help people not only with dementia, but people with depression and, and just everyday living that can be stressful enough, especially in this day and age? Yeah, you know, Bobby, you mentioned this, the images. I love that. I have not seen that study. I'd love it if you can send it to me. That sounds really fascinating. But I, I love hearing that because I feel like that's a lot of what we do in 
when we're engaging in, in stories in the moment, right? Because what we're doing is that we're creating an imaginary story, right? We're imagining it and then we're thinking, well, what would happen next? And how could we how could we show this in our bodies? I actually, what was really cool is I actually heard this from uh, one of the participants in the class where she talked about how when she listens to music, she sees what's happening. And what I, what I love is that now what we're doing is we're taking the image that she's already seeing and we're, ex we're taking it out. We're bringing it out of her mind and into this, this space and using it as an opportunity to now connect with somebody else. So now it's not just an image in her mind. Now it's an image that everybody else is being able to, to participate in. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Holy moly. Well, my goodness. <laughs> Magda, you've been an absolute joy. The energy that you bring to just anywhere you go is just phenomenal. And I've had a wonderful time. And usually I write down a bunch of notes, <laughs> but I've been so engaged with your energy and your enthusiasm that I have nothing. <laughs> uh, Mike and Bobby, could I invite you to come to one of the classes sometime? We we have oh, we, we would love to virtually through the Dementia Action Alliance. I mean, I'll I'll have to ask. Of course, it's it's their space, right? But I I, I would love to for to to share this with you and and to especially Mike. You know, you're no actually hearing <laughs> from both of you, Bobby, that you love to dance, and Mike, that you love that you're a musician. Like, oh my gosh. I would just love, love, love to share this experience with you. Well, you know, I'm really good at doing the locomotion. <laughs> when I get up to dance, everybody goes, look at that guy doing the locomotions over there. <laughs> well, we will definitely stay in touch so we can make that happen. Um, you know, you did have some men memory joggers coming in. Everybody moves, and I love that. And you don't, you, you can be in a wheelchair. You can, you know, have some restrictions. Maybe you've had a stroke and maybe half of your body doesn't work the way it used to. You can still dance and you can still bring that positive emotion into your life. One of the things I, I think uh, looking back is, you know, everybody really is creative. There's a lot of people who say, oh, I don't have a creative cell in my body, but really everybody does. It may not be the same creative aspect, right? Some people create recipes. Some people create, uh, as you say, creative problem solving on the run where you had to do <laughs> different things to react to a situation that was happening with my dad. Uh, but creativity is always a part and it doesn't have to be music. It doesn't have to be dance, but everybody is creative. And if you expand that creativity, you can um, maybe have a little bit more joy in the here and now. And bring back some memories from childhood before people told you you shouldn't move like that or you shouldn't. Yes. You, you're, what you're playing isn't exactly the way it's written or something like that. You know, I, I've told people forever, children are great storytellers until people tell them that they're not. True. And and as, as you know, one thing that will take me from zero to 95 and a quarter of a heartbeat is playing a song and somebody look at me and say, that's not how it's played on the record. <laughs> well, if you want it to be played like it is on the record, go play the record. Don't <laughs> ask me to play. 
But yeah, uh, creativity is is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And I just want to say as we as we close out, uh, you know, being married to a drummer for over thirty years, drummers tap on everything. Yes, we do. <laughs> There's no nothing off limits. <laughs> You can find more information about Magna and stories in the moment on our show website at rogerthat.show. This has been Roger That, and I'm Bobby. And I'm Mike. And we are dedicated to guiding you through the heavy haze of dementia. So please, subscribe to the show, go to iTunes, post a review, and follow us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question or issue you'd like for us to address, please post on the Roger That Facebook page. To find out more about us, head over to rogerthat.show. That's Roger, R-O-D-G-E-R, that dot show. Roger That is produced by Missing Link, a media podcast company dedicated to connecting people to intelligent, engaging, and informative content. Also in the Missing Link lineup of podcasts is the Designated Drinker Show, the podcast raising the bar on craft cocktails. Here you meet interesting folks, enjoy boozy banter, and learn how to make craft cocktails from a master. And if you're looking for a whole new way to enjoy theater, check out Between Acts, an immersive audio theater podcast experience. Each episode takes you on a spellbinding journey through the works of newfound playwrights, from dramas to comedies and all those in between. Find Missing Link's League of Podcasts on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you find your podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe, download, and review the shows as your review helps our show reach new audiences. To find out more about Missing Link, visit missinglink.company. Visit missinglink.company.